0: Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.
1: Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture Podcast Series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners, helping to keep you up to date with developments in the arboriculture industry. Today's talk is by Dr. Kim Coder, Professor of Tree Biology and Healthcare at the Warnell School of Natural Resources at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. This podcast features his talk on the impacts of lightning on trees. It was originally presented at the 2014 ISA International Conference in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: Well, good afternoon. It's uh, party time in here. We get to talk about uh, shocking events, uh, pun intended, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about lightning. And the reason we're bringing up lightning is uh, within the last four years, there's been tremendous uh, new research and things done on lightning. Some of it involves trees, and some of it will impact how we treat trees. Um, there is um, um, The proceedings or the active part of uh, the conference site here within uh, a week will have the book up. I placed a book up that's called uh, uh, Lightning and Trees, I think, and uh, that has all the citations in it. Uh, Normally I would hand out the literature citation, but it's a 76-page book for you to take, download, do whatever you want to with it, but uh, we've really got to keep examining how lightning works and how it impacts trees. So, uh, let's talk about uh, trees and lightning. This is the famous Alabama tree um, that uh, you could tell that it was hit. Uh, When you went back to look at it, there's no visible sign it was ever hit. I'm pretty sure it was hit. Okay and I show this to you to get it out of your system because most of the rest of the time I'm not showing you lightning shots, okay? So uh, this is, uh, actually this is the second book on lightning. The first one is Lightning and Trees. This one's Trees and Lightning. This this one you don't have at your conference site. The other one you do. Uh, so again, uh, they will get it up just as soon as the conference is over. So download it. All the figures that you'll see in here is in there. And then of course, Uh, the new citations uh, coming especially from Scandinavia. Scandinavian folks have been doing some great, great work and our friends the Canadians. Uh, Lightning strikes somewhere on Earth 9 million times a day. Uh, That works out to 6,200 per minute, uh, 100 times per second. There are uh, great places in Central Africa that are the world champion lightning centers. But it's kind of hard to work in those areas. Uh, In the United States, on an annual basis, uh, those lightning strikes we get, uh, about 1,000 of them cause injuries. 500 are really serious injuries. And of those 500, 75% are permanent damage. So people are permanently damaged uh, by being involved in lightning. And it's not necessarily the strike itself being in the pathway, but being in the neighborhood, especially in the the uh, uh, surface flash uh, grounding zone. And of those 500 serious, we have got uh, about a fifth of those uh, that are deaths. Uh, Other injuries and damage we have, feedlot animals, pastured animals. Um, We've got all kinds of uh, data that shows how many of these we think are damaged but a lot of them, unless they're turned into insurance, um, we don't record. Uh, We've got a a half a billion dollars in utility losses. Uh, Canada does a much better job in judging utility losses to lightning, and uh, they can get it down uh, pretty well, but we just say about a half a billion per year is uh, lightning associated. And of course, we're here because trees can be a, a major problem. Uh, We, in forest yards, green belts, parks, uh, trees are damaged all over. Now we have lightning maps wherever you are in the world, Uh, your uh, weather people can get you these type of lightning maps. This is annual strikes summarized over the last 15 years per square mile, per square mile. And if we look here at Milwaukee, we got about 10. Uh, If we look where I'm from, we got about 15. And of course, if you look at Tampa Bay, that's the lightning capital of the United States. Um, it gets around 40 annual strikes, ground strikes, per square mile per year. Some of those attach to trees. Some of them attach to construction equipment because trees hate construction equipment. Storms, uh, how do we get to lightning? We get them, get them out of storms? Uh, Five to six miles ahead of a storm, you can be hit. Five or six miles after the storm, uh, you can be hit. Uh, Lightning can go out a long way. It can have multiple uh, ground strikes at the same time. Uh, It's called fork lightning. Uh, So we can be out quite a ways from where we think we're safe, and you're not safe. If you can hear the thunder, get the devil inside. And I don't say this for your safety. Uh, ISA needs your dues, okay? (laughs) Anyway, uh, the storms generate large updrafts and this pulls moisture to very high cold altitudes and we get wet grapple, wet ice falling down, striking, updrafting uh, little ice particles. And as they hit, the ice particles give up electrons to the wet grapple, the wet ice that's falling And so we start to get a charge separation in a cloud where we have positive uh, charges above. And remember, I don't want to freak you out, but remember a positive charge is not a particle, it's a hole. It's a place where an electron could fit. But uh, we're just gonna talk like it's a particle that we're moving around. So the positives go up, the negatives go down, and we start to separate that charge amount Uh, in the cloud at quite high um, uh, altitudes. There's a tiny little positive charge, about 4% of the total um, uh, current. uh, The total charge is in that bottom uh, that runs along the middle of the storm. But uh, most of it, uh, 96% of it, is uh, divided up there in the top of the cloud. A positive bank, a negative bank. And how do we get that lightning to form? We gotta think about that because here's our uh, cloud moving over the landscape and we've got a tree down there in the bottom. You can't bear it, and it's not to scale. This is just my artwork, okay? So uh, we've got the ground with the, all kinds of ability to ground out, uh, dissipate, charge. And uh, it, the higher you are, the taller you are, the more likely the field, the electric field near the ground is going to be enhanced that would allow you to be uh, struck. And so uh, we have the charge, this uh, change from top of the cloud to bottom, and we get cloud leaders that push down. These are near invisible fingers that push down near uh, probably a third to a fourth the speed of light trying to find ground and it pushes down, they dangle underneath the clouds as they're coming. And here's one getting started. It's, it's coming from the negative part of the cloud, it's gonna be a negative charge pushing down. On and aside, there is positive lightning that comes from the top. It usually carries much more charge with it. But uh, we're gonna just talk today because uh, in this part of the world, we're gonna get about 90 to 95% of all strikes are going to be negative. So anyway, we got the negative cloud leaders coming down. And they're branching out in different directions and trying to find uh, a way to dissipate the charge buildup. And uh, it can be very forked. You know, here you got a cosmic ray coming that way. It'll follow that for a while. This column of water over here, it may follow that for a while. An old strike uh, column, it may follow that for a while. So it's very forked um, coming down. Now, from the ground, we have what's called ground streamers. And if you're really into to lightning, you know it's, it's not just a column of charge. It's how you change the field, the electric field near the ground and the best model we have is this streamer model where you pull up a streamer. It's like a pennant that wave, or flag that waves off the top of a, a electric uh, uh, tower, a water tower, or a tree. And it's being pulled up toward the cloud base because the cloud base is all this positive. I'm sorry, the cloud base is all this negative and the positive charges are being pulled up, pulled up. and it, flows off and streams off the top of tall objects as the wave passes. So down there in the bottom, we've got these ground streamers continuing to push down from the cloud. We've got cloud leaders, and uh, they're trying to find each other. And about 100 to 400 feet above the ground, and this varies by the amount of charge we're carrying So if you have a super high charge positive, it's going to be higher up, the actual connection, the final jump is 100 to 400 feet above whatever the tallest object is, where the enhanced field is, and we get a connection. And when we get that connection, the charge exchange path is now made a circuit. It opens and it rapidly unloads in both directions. Now, because most of the charge line is above it toward the cloud, that's what we see. We see a lot of light coming from that charge line, but it also unloads toward the ground in both directions. And it's trying to neutralize the charge in the cloud and neutralize any buildup, enhance field in the... uh, uh, I'm sorry. Um, It's trying to neutralize the cloud charge and neutralize the enhanced field in the in the bottom. So we get this massive charge exchange. It gives us the light. So here's our connection. And the first time it connects, man, we're getting all this lightning. Every, all these side branches unload, and then you get this massive exchange between cloud and ground. And uh, once it makes the first opening, then it will have individual strokes within one strike to try to get to neutral. It's trying to get to neutral in the cloud base. And so we get this big flash of light. And a lightning strike can have a number of strokes. In the Wisconsin area we can have uh, two to four strikes, uh, strokes within one strike. And they're each 10 to 20 milliseconds in length, and so you'll get an exchange back and forth of three to four strokes, two to four strokes. The farther west we go, uh, we get some unique features in that, but uh, usually we could just say we get at least three strokes within one strike, and because it, it lasts a little time and then there's a delay, and then we have another stroke trying to get back to neutral, the whole lightning strike lasts about a half a second. And we can see that, and we see that lightning flickers. And the reason it's flickering is we can't really pick it out, but it is the multi-strokes in it that causes it to flicker, and we can see it because a half a second is long enough. So there is uh, cloud-to-ground strikes, and these are first strikes because you can see all of the... uh, Uh, extra arms on there. And then they will go down to one arm as you continue to exchange between ground and cloud. So these are milliseconds, and we're going from left to right. Here is the cloud leaders pushing down, the ground streamers pushing up, and we're gonna have a connection point 100 to 400 uh, feet above what the tallest object is, and we have our first big strike. And there is our strike, and the big stroke comes down trying to neutralize. Our second stroke uh, will last 10 to 20 milliseconds, but be quite a ways after the first strike. So what is the average strike on lightning? It's 100 million volts. We don't care about that much. But it's 35,000 amps. Now I want to, we have a, a receptacle, a plug-in receptacle up here. I would like a volunteer from the ob, uh, audience to quickly come up and lick their tongue on this receptacle. Because what, what is that receptacle running at for ants? Yeah, it's, it's probably got a breaker in it for 20 or 15. And so you wouldn't think about putting your tongue on that rascal, but we have people that uh, in the old days, They said, you need to assume the lightning protection position. And so that means within a half second, you've got to decide you're gonna be hit. And we've had publications that talk about, well, if you're wearing tennis shoes, you're okay. Or uh, your clothing type will make a difference with 35,000 amps. Now, I do not want to be uh, uh, highly negative or gross, But have you ever seen those hot dog cookers that cook by resistance? You put the hot dog on one side and this side and you plug it in and it cooks the hot dog? Welcome to lightning. That 35,000 amps does not matter, it really doesn't care what you're wearing on your shoes. Everywhere that's metal, so if you've got jeans with rivets or maybe a, a metal zipper somewhere, how about piercings, a watch, our eyeglasses. Those things are going to heat to around 700 degrees. You will be doing the dance, but it won't be the lightning protection dance. Uh, anyway, we got in a lightning strike, 35,000 amps that's trying to ground out just as fast as we possibly can. And that is the magic in tree protection systems. Tree protection systems are developed around, we have to conduct lightning as quickly as possible to ground without going through or without damaging our trees. So our average strike 35,000 amps, the core of lightning is roughly a quarter of an inch in diameter, then it has an ionized envelope, it's kicking all kinds of things around in the atmosphere because the atmosphere is going from 70 degrees Almost 50,000 within milliseconds. So, think about the explosive power of that. And then the light corona that we see on lightning can it be anywhere from one foot to five foot wide? The the more amps you have moving through, um, the bigger that lightning circumference will be. So, here is our average, an average strike of 30, I think this was 30,000 amps. Uh, microseconds and the temperature. And you see that correctly. That 50,000 Fahrenheit, I change it from Celsius, I'm sorry the Commonwealth nations that are here that uh, don't use this, but uh, this is Fahrenheit and it's not the core center of the sun, but the surface of the sun is less than this. So this arc, this spark, this lightning hit uh, is coming and it can reach within 10 microseconds, 50,000 degrees. Now, if you take 50,000 degrees and heat it gas, you ionize it, it becomes a plasma, and it gets out of the way. It gets out of the way in a super shock wave, so it's not in the path well, where it's being heated up and expanded. If we look at pressure on atmospheres, we can reach 40 to 50 Atmospheres of pressure from a lightning strike. Now, any uh, any uh, scuba divers in here? How far down do we have to go to get uh, uh, 50 atmospheres of uh, pressure underwater? Quite a way. So it'd be 32 times 50 plus 32. That's a long way down. What else gives us 50 atmospheres within uh, microseconds or milliseconds? C4 Explosive. C4 will give you atmospheres. It's an explosion. That's what lightning is. That's why it tears trees apart. Now, it's an unconstrained explosion. And so it quickly goes away. But if you look at that distance that's on the bottom of this, it says 4 tenths, 8 tenths, 1.2 inches away from the tree surface. It quickly goes down. But at the tree surface, if we don't have a lightning system in there, look at the amount of pressure we're gonna have. Now, all of our pylons, how, how far out do they stick in our tree protection or lightning conduction systems? You know, 1.8 to 2 inches. Why do we do that? Because we're coming back to relatively normal pressure. After about two inches. So, that core shock wave for the first fifth of an inch is moving at ten times the speed of sound as this current pops through. Ten times the speed of sound. And it's zapping our trees. Now, one of the places we have the worst problem in understanding how lightning affects trees is in grounding. We have depended upon our esteemed colleagues, the engineers, to help us out with grounding, but they're just enamored of buildings and towers and things and not living things. And so grounding means the charge comes down and opens an exchange path. The energy will race along the soil surface and dive into the soil as this thing is grounding out or dissipating. So it's dissipating across the surface and into the soil. Moisture, oxygen, organic material, the minerals of the soil, all of that go to help dissipate this huge 35,000 amp charge uh, that we have moving down there. The soil channels huge amounts of uh, voltage and current and dissipates it. And what we have, uh, and you, a lot of times you can get great pictures of this on golf courses because you have these beautiful greens, and lightning will hit the uh, flag. And you will see in the grass surface, this surface flashover. At the frequency lightning runs at, it doesn't go into the tree very much. It doesn't go into the ground right away until it has enough room to get in there. This is massive charge. And so it flashes over the surface. The record is 65 feet. We've seen it out 65 feet from the strike, still on the surface, trying to find a way to burl, burl? Get down into the soil. And so these look like surface arcs, surface sparks that are right there. This is step voltage. Once it's in the ground, and this, uh, this particular graph is from, is, is from that booklet, that you can, you can get for free on the, the conference site. Uh, it says closest radio distance from the tree stem if the tree got hit. And then across the top it says uh, uh, soil electric resistance in high resistance soils, like uh, dry organic soils, sugar sands, things like that. They're high resistance. They can have much higher resistance than this. But let's just say we're 20 feet away from a Um, a tree that struck. And just for the fun of it, we'll say our soil has 150 uh, ohms of resistance. So 20 and 150 says 34 down there. That's 34,000 volts. If you are standing on that spot with your legs apart, even six inches, if the current is gonna be going up one leg and going down the other, because you've got 35,000 volts working in that soil at 20 feet away. So when the tree gets sap, if you're near it and unprotected, you're going to get sapped. Now, again, for the sake of your dues to ISA, get in the truck, roll up the windows, and shut the doors. Don't go under the tree and say, well, you know, it'll pass over fast. That's when we pick you up. If you have softballers, the uh, kids' sophomore soccer teams, if you can hear it or see it, get away and get everybody inside. Now, that shock wave that we get coming down the tree, very close on the surface, is going to give us a boom. Uh, the flash and the sound are generated by the same thing, but it takes a while for the sound to get to you. If uh, uh, Theoretically, if you're sitting at sea level, uh, that uh, thunder, the shockwave, is going to run about 770 miles per hour at 70 degrees. And so you just count roughly five. For every five uh, counts you make, uh, that means that uh, it's been five seconds. That's going to be a mile away. And again, if you can hear it, if you can see a flash in the distance, it's time to move the party indoors. So here's our shockwave. Within the first fifth of an inch, we've got ten times the speed of sound of air trying to get away from that superheating that it's doing. Then we have a weak shockwave and after about uh, 1.6 to 1.8 inches, by the time we get to the end of the pylons that we use in our conduction systems, we now have an acoustic wave. It's dropped below uh, the speed of sound. It's acoustic wave, it's low frequency. You're gonna hear it for miles, it's called thunder. Duh. Uh, The impact that we have though from that shock wave, the impact is that in the old days we talked about steam generation inside this wet tree. If you calculate, we have calculations from, well, we can pick on Purdue because they're called the Boilermakers, but their engineers have steam tables and everything else to show you how much um, energy is in those steam explosions. Those explosions are not enough to do the damage that we see in good strikes. This heat generation gives us an uh, um, energy of S here. The strong shock wave in the first fifth, in, fifth of an inch is 10 times that amount of energy. So when you see debris ten, uh, 100 feet over here, blown off of this tree, that is not a steam explosion. The first 10 feet was the steam. From there on out, it is this explosion, this super shock wave that sends that material uh, running. So let's talk about trees. As I say, a lot of the early work on uh, tree damage and lightning was done in New England uh, and in Quebec. We won't won't call Quebecers New Englanders, but uh, they're almost in the same place. But uh, New England did a lot, and uh, uh, the Scottish foresters um, uh, in their Scots pine stands did some, but uh, the tree reactions, most trees are not killed by lightning. And this comes back to talking to clients, talking to lay people about big storms and things. Most trees are not killed. Look, if we have 15 strikes per square mile per year, how many trees would be left if all of them took a hit and died? We wouldn't have any forests at all over a 100-year period. But trees aren't always killed. Most trees are not killed. But the higher the current load that's transferring, uh, the more damage you do get. Several trees in a row can be damaged, you'll see that. It's one strike, but remember, if we've got a lot of wind pushing, you're gonna have one strike, but it's gonna hit a couple trees in a row. We had an example of this at a place called Callaway Gardens uh, in Georgia, where we know what happened because there there was a armed guard watching the gate when it hit three pine trees in a row and uh, uh, he had to change clothing and uh, uh, decided he would rather work as a custodian than an armed guard. The point is, uh, he swore and everything we could find on the tree showed three strikes on three hits, three strokes in one strike. And some trees are struck many times. Just like that big Alabama tree I showed you, they don't show a single mark that they'd been hit even once. A group of trees, this is where we have problems, especially in our, uh, in Florida chapter, um, orange groves have some of the best work on lightning hitting groups of trees, or forest stands and high-resistant soils. One stroke in the middle, and you get a patch of multiple tree deaths. And that can be as much as Uh, two-thirds of an acre of trees. So just because it hit the center tree it did not ground out around that center tree. It grounded out and damaged all these other tree root systems at significant distance from the center. Another observation folks have had is that 80 percent of all tree lightning scars are very shallow and continuous which means 20 percent and pardon me for saying it like this, blows the tree to hell. Just blowed up real good. But most trees have a shallow, continuous lightning strike uh, uh, injury between about 80% of its height and the ground. You'll see why that's true in just a second. Uh, Other observations, 20%, as near as we could tell, of all trees that are struck do not have visible signs at all. Ten uh, percent of all trees you find in the forest tend to have, uh, that have been struck tend to have uh, more than one strike. Nine percent uh, have big crown damage and then one percent have large areas blown all apart. That was observations from the Harvard forest. This is one that's hard to get your mind around and the Finns have already shown that this is true, uh, dealing with trees. But uh, this is isolated tall tree, right? 79% of all the hits that these isolated tall trees are getting are right at the top. That makes sense to the model we have in our minds about lightning. 5% are hitting around 75% of the height in the crown. And this is the one I can't get over. 16% of all the lightning hits on some of these isolated single trees are coming at the ground not too far away from the tree. Why did it hit the ground and not come down the tree? Well, the tree is pretty high resistance. But uh, uh, again, we need to rethink what kind of lightning damage we're doing The other thing, remember, lightning can be 1,000 amps or 250,000 amps. Our conduction systems work for the mid-range, 90% of the mid-range we protect against. Not the super big, not the super small. Now in trees, height has a lot to do with it. This says tree height on one end, and in the back you can't see this. This is a professor slide. I've used it five times on different talks. No one knows the difference because you can't see it in the back. I apologize, but it is in the manual um, within the conference proceeding page that will be up soon uh, from this conference. Uh, Lightning strikes per square mile per year, we'll just say 15, or I guess since we're in Wisconsin, we'll say 10. And what is your height? So will you go up Uh, out on a football field, lick your finger and stick it in the air during a lightning storm. What's your chances, especially if you're five feet tall? Because that works on this thing. If you're five feet tall and do that, what's the chance of you being hit? You'd be hit at number says 4,000. Once every 4,000 years you uh, have a chance of being struck by lightning. Now because this is destructive sampling, I would not do this if I were you. Because you would win the lottery once every 4,000 years and be struck. Uh, But look at the trees. As you get up to a 70 foot tall tree here, you have a chance of that thing being hit once every 20 years. That's just lightning dynamics. We've got to understand that and talk to our clients about it. The taller it is above surrounding objects, You know, it may be right next to a house that has lightning system. Well, then how much taller than the house is it? That would be the height that we would use. Here's some uh, columnar, Italian cypress. So the lightning, um, when we're trying to get those ground streamers and cloud leaders connected, leaves have pretty high resistance. So it's not about just measuring resistance. So it's not an electrical engineer problem. We've got uh, uh, leaves that are pretty high resistance and when we start lightning down a tree, there is a trickle in the first milliseconds trying to go inside and down the tree. And it follows uh, the fibers. You ever see a lightning strike that's spiral? That tree had spiral grain. It's following the grain because in the first milliseconds we've got Uh, a small charge leading the way, but as we have this wave of charge come upon us, it can't go inside the tree anymore. It flashes over. And on a general rule, 80% of the tree height, it flashes over to the outside because it's running at too high a frequency and goes right down the outside of the tree. So a lot of times we won't see damage in the outer crown, wherever it was connected, will see damage where it starts to flash over and will streak the injury down big branches, scaffold branches and uh, uh, the base. The pressure wave builds uh, uh, and sh- just an explosion on the surface and it knocks a uh, paraderm off. It can get um, slabs of tissue out. And so what we're going to have, you ever thump a watermelon? My granddad said, I can thump it and feel the reverberation and know if it's right. I never had a decent watermelon from granddad in my life. So I don't know what he was feeling, but he was wrong. But you have an explosion on one side of a tree. There's a wave that goes through and there's a wave that goes around. And these tension, compression waves uh, are what tear the tree up you blow out uh, the paraderm. You can blow out some of the wood. This steam explosion is a small energy producer, but the explosive force is that big shock wave. So again, 600 PSI, 40 atmospheres, uh, that will cause these internal compression waves to go around and through. This is a diffuse porous tree like a sycamore. The fused porous trees have a tendency to have bigger injuries because they are dissipating uh, that explosive force very close to the surface. Ring porous trees, like an oak, tend to have very narrow but deep type of injuries. It's dissipating its force very close to its surface, but because it's ring porous and how all the rings are stacking together there, it's pushing in and bouncing back and we get what's called slabbing. If you've ever been to a lightning hit on an oak, you may find something that looks like a, um, a downhill ski laying on the ground out here. It's a slab of wood anywhere from two to six feet tall laying out there, and it's usually paired. There'll be a couple of them. The wood has been blown off in the big vessels of springwood, two or three in annual increments down in there. So what are our strike symptoms? On a, on a tree that does take a hit, we've got permanent uh, wilting that goes on and dies. We've got recoverable wilting. So you go out there and you see, oh, it, it took a hit and all the stuff is wilted. Don't assume it's going to die because everything is wilted, because it could be temporary, recoverable wilting. Uh, don't be too fast to cut. Uh, Bark resident pests will come in and chew you up, but on trees that are badly damaged, especially underground, you get one to three uh, year decline, and then they're gone. Pests are secondary and tertiary, they attack the physical injury sites, and uh, some of them, like our friends in the south, the uh, southern pine beetle, are attracted by the volatile materials and the, the, the actual physical materials coming out of any injury. We do get fires caused by lightning. We have 12,000 fires per year in the USA and that comes because between each stroke within one strike, usually the current goes to zero and it starts up again for the next stroke. If we have continuous current between strokes in one strike of anywhere from anywhere from uh, 100 to 400 amps and 20% of lightning strikes have this That is enough to ignite things. And we get a fire in the fine uh, litter at the base of trees. All right, what's our conclusions? Why did you waste your time coming in this room? Installation of a conductance system uh, following standards, using the proper materials, is critically important. And you can judge that by how high the tree, the tall the tree is around its surroundings. Treat as soon as you can. Get to the tree as soon as you can. You know clients don't call you. Two weeks later, the tree is looking terrible, wilted, browning. And they call you, oh, I took a lightning hit two weeks ago. Well, why are you calling me now? You know? If you can get there within eight hours, you can reattach tissue using pressure bands and uh, water the devil out of it. Uh, if you're later than about a day, 24 hours, we can try some reinvigoration over the next three years to the whole tree. But some of the stuff that has been uh, cast off, we're not gonna be able to do anything with. So our treatment BMT, BMPs is, if a tree is struck and gonna make it, put a lightning system in it. Because multiple trees get struck multiple times. I don't care what grandma said that lightning never strikes twice. She was wrong, all right? Water, use zoned irrigation around the rooting system as long as you have drainage. If you're running water off to the neighbor, that is not drainage. And then if you get really bad damage up in the big crowns of large old trees, you can put up windshields and misting and try to keep uh, the water relation uh, pumping along fairly well. Loosen tissue that is bubbled out uh, that's still attached some way to the tree. Put a pressure belt around it and pull it tight. And the first time I saw this I said, bold stuff. And the more I looked at the literature on this, this works. If you get there fast and you leave it there for six weeks and you pull it off and that paraderm has reattached because the rays have come out and reformed a connection. Uh, Clean the crown, not prune it. You don't want to do a lot of extra pruning because you don't know what the tree is going to lose. Uh, You may need a preventable preventable pesticide application for uh, uh, bark beetles, other insects, and delay nitrogen fertilization a year because there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to consume the live tissue. Don't feed. Don't give the uh, live tissue uh, consumers extra nitrogen. There's the Bay Bridge in San Francisco. Uh, You wouldn't want to stand on the top of that and lick your finger. My point here is when we look at what we do, we should be selling more conduction systems to trees because when the tallest, biggest, oldest trees are getting struck and damaged And we can do something about that. We have a tool in our tool bag, and that's a lightning conduction system following standards for trees, living things. Don't put a house system on or a water tower system on. Follow tree conduction systems. And uh, we can all have great trees. And remember to be in Florida next year because then you can go over to Tampa, the lightning capital of the United States. Thank you.
1: This concludes Dr. Kim Coder's talk on the impacts of lightning on trees. If you would like to learn more about lightning protection for trees, you can find additional materials at the ISA Web Store, including Best Management Practices Lightning Protection Systems and the online course Lightning Protection Systems. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, visit the ISA online store and select online CEU quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture.
0: Trees in every country. Trees you know we can.